The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. So, have you ever thought or asked yourself this question What was I born for? What was I put here on this earth for? Have you ever thought to yourself when God was fashioning you in your mother's womb, because the Bible tells us that God formed us and shaped us in our mother's wombs, that when he was making you and crafting your personality and deciding what ingredients to put in and what gifts and talents and what passions and desires, have you ever thought when he was making you, what was the picture that he had in his heart of the life you were going to live? What is God's dream for your life? What does your life look like in the eyes of God and in the realms of heaven when he made you and he poured into you your potential? It says in the Bible that all our days are written out and laid before us. Have you ever stopped to think and ask yourself, what was I put here for? Yes, to be in relationship with God, but God's created us with a purpose. God's created us with a calling. God's given us an identity that is unique, that no one else on this world has the same calling and the same gifting and the same life planned out for them as you do. Have you ever asked yourself, what was God's dream for my heart? This morning in preparing this message, I asked myself that question. I had to ask myself, what are my dreams for my life? What do I believe God wants my life to look like? What do I believe God wants me to do in my life and be in my life? And I wrote them down and I want to share them with you this morning. And I want to invite you to dream with me. So as I share my wants and my desires for my life, I want you to sit and think about your own as I share the things that I believe God wants for my life. So I just started writing things down and I wrote, the first thing I wrote was, I want to make a difference with my life. I want to make a difference with my life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just exist. I don't want to just, you know, do the day-to-day and get to the end of my days and be like, well, I was busy. I did stuff. I want my life to make a difference, and I want my life to make a difference in other people's lives. I wrote that I want to help other people know Jesus and fall in love with Jesus just like I have. Because when you discover Jesus... And when you fall head over heels in love with him, it's like you have found a treasure. It's like you have found gold. And you just want to share it with everybody. And you want everybody else to experience what you've experienced because it is so amazing. I wrote that I want to be close to God. I want to be a friend of God. I want to get to heaven. And he's like, there you are. (laughs) And I'll be like, there you are. (laughs) Run into his arms. It's my best friend. I want my kids to grow up loving Jesus and living for him. And I'm sure if you have kids here, that's your heart and your desire for your kids. I want to be all God's called me to be and do all God's called me to do. I want to be a good wife. And Aaron said, nothing. (laughs) Thanks, babe. I'm like, he's here in the second service. I'll throw to him. No, we'll move on. I want to be a good wife. (laughs) I want to be a good parent. And boy, I need God's help with those two. I want to be a good friend to people. And don't we need God's help in that and the busyness of life, being a good friend to people? I want to be a godly leader and pastor. And I want to end my days more passionate and more on fire for God, more full of faith with a childlike, crazy faith than when I started. The older I get, the better I'm going to get. Not old and bitter. Old and better. 
I want to be whole. I wrote down, I want to be emotionally whole. I want to continue to be set free from my insecurities, my need for people's approval, my fear, my shame. I I just want to continue to be set free from all those things. I want to see a generation of young people growing up knowing God in a life-changing way, forever ruined for the ordinary. You can't graduate from kids' church and youth and young adults and 26 plus without being forever ruined for an ordinary life. I want to see the church shine and flourish. I want to see God move in miraculous ways. I want to be a woman of faith. I want to feel people to feel Jesus' love through my life. That's the plan, isn't it? And when people have been hanging out with you, they actually have felt the love of Jesus through your life, not like pulling out the darts of <laughs> the wounds they've received from you, but like, oh, that person's like a soothing balm. I feel so encouraged in their presence. I feel so lifted up in their presence. I want to create an environment where people can dream big dreams and sense the call of God on their life, where they can have a glimpse of heaven on earth. And I want to help people get set free of life-controlling issues, like I've been set free of life-controlling issues. That sounds like good stuff, doesn't it? Anyone like, I'll have that too. I'll have what she's having. Well, I actually believe that God has called all of us to a life just like that. And you, while you were listening you would probably have dreams and desires and wants that aren't too dissimilar to mine. Because God has actually wired us all with the same things that we all need, a life of significance. God's wired us all to need to be part of something bigger than ourselves. The Bible says that God has put eternity in our hearts. And that's why when I speak of eternal things and when I speak of an eternal purpose to your life, something in your spirit says yes. Yes. I'm sure if you're here and you're married, you want to have an amazing marriage, hopefully. I'm sure if you're here and you've got kids, you want them to flourish and you want them to grow up loving Jesus. I'm sure if you're here and you're a Christian, that you want to have an amazing relationship with God. You want to have just an amazing prayer life and you want to have intimacy with God and you want to be a man or a woman of faith. We all want the same things because we're all wired the same way. And yes, you'll have your own unique passions, your own unique calling, your own unique giftings, but God's wired us all with eternity in our hearts. And yet I know when I look at my life, it doesn't always measure up in reality. It's all those amazing things I said. I'm not saying that that is me every day. It's me sometimes. Other times I fall so so far short of that. And I don't know about you in your life, but maybe when you dream about the life God's called you to, and then you look at the life you're living, perhaps there's a gap. And I think it's in the gap that it's stressful, it's frustrating, it's disappointing, misery comes into the gap. It's a horrible feeling knowing that you've got eternity planted in your heart, knowing subconsciously in the very core of who you are that you were born for something amazing and a purpose in God's kingdom, but not living it out. And the bigger the gap, the bigger all of that negativity is in your life. And I want to share a little bit of a story about a time where I walked so far away from God and had such a gap between who God had called me to be and what I was living that I honestly thought I'd never come back from it. And I pray that through my story this morning, you might find encouragement. And so my sermon is titled, The Life That You Were Born For. 
And I'm going to tell you what that is in a sec. So you can write that down. That's sermon title one. And then I'll give you the real one after my story. Is that cool? So the life you were born for, you can write that down, dot, dot, dot. Because the end is coming. (laughs) So I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up with amazing parents who were pastors. And I grew up in a really healthy country church in country Victoria, a town called Bansdale. And I remember from a very young child sensing the call of God on my life. I had a great relationship with God. I got saved at the age of four. I remember it was my decision to get saved at the age of four. And I just had an intimacy with God and a really good relationship with God. And when I was 10 years of age, I remember God calling me to live for him. I was at a youth camp and I wasn't meant to be at camp, but when your dad's the youth pastor, you get certain privileges. You get to go far too young to all these things. I'm sure Jesse and Zeke will have the same experience. But I went to this youth camp and the preacher preached and I responded to the altar call. And I remember getting prayed for and just falling on my knees and crying for about an hour. I just remember weeping and weeping and weeping as a 10-year-old kid when God called me to live for him. And dad came up to me afterwards. He's like, are you okay? It looked quite intense. And I'm just like, God's called me to love the unlovely love the unlovely. And for an hour when I was crying, God was just drilling into my heart this phrase over my life. You are going to spend your days loving the unlovely, loving what is unlovely on this earth and bringing about the God purpose. And so life, you would say, was going well. I certainly had a good start to life. And then I got to year nine and I went on a youth camp. And I made a really crazy bad decision on this youth camp and I chose to sneak out of my cabin Nobody in our youth ministry would do that. And in fact, because I was such a naughty teenager, I can assure every parent in our church that we have such good security at our youth camps because I think through my eyes, like what would I have done at the age of 15? Let's prepare for that. So because I was such a naughty teenager, we've got things covered in our youth ministry. My poor children, when they grow up, I'll be like, you're lying, aren't you? Yes, you're lying. (laughs) No. Oh, yes, you are probably going to have to learn to trust my children because I was not a trustworthy child. So I made a decision to sneak out of my cabin and I met up with a boy in our youth group who was a couple of years older than me that I had a crush on. And it didn't go well. And so he did things to me against my will. And I remember going back to my cabin, crying, middle of the night. My friends didn't know I'd snuck out. No one knew I'd snuck out except for me and this guy. And I remember coming home from youth camp And I was sitting in the back seat of some youth leader's car driving home. I remember looking out the window and it was like someone had just turned the colour off in my life. I was so hurting and broken and I felt stupid and I felt rejected. And I was in so much pain, I almost couldn't handle how I was feeling. And I made another bad decision as a 15-year-old kid. I made an inner vow to myself driving home from that youth camp that I would never let a boy hurt me like that ever again. And so I decided to harden my heart. And I didn't just harden my heart towards people. I decided to harden my heart towards God. Because you see, I'd grown up loving God and knowing God and trusting God, but I actually thought that God would protect me from things like that. And he hadn't in that moment. And so I said to God, you clearly are not doing a very good job of looking after me. So I'm going to look after me. I think I can do a better job keeping me safe, keeping me from harm. So I made it in a vow to harden my heart and to take the reins of my life off God. 
And that triggered a series of events and three years of totally walking away from God, totally living how I wanted, doing what I wanted, when I wanted, breaking my parents' heart, (laughs) causing many grey hairs (laughs) and lots of prayer in my household. And I just want to encourage any parents of teenagers here in this place, don't give up on your kids. Don't stop praying for your kids. Don't stop standing on God's promises for your kids. And whatever God has told you to do in your child's situation, stand on that and do not compromise. Because God told my parents to keep me in church and keep me in youth no matter what. So that was a non-negotiable in our household. I was fighting them on every single other thing, but I knew I was no point with that one because I'd already lost that battle. And so rain, hail or shine, they ground me from everything but youth and church, much to my despair. I'm like, let me guess. I'm in big, big trouble, but I still have to go to youth and I still have to go to church. They're like, exactly. (laughs) So because they kept me through all my naughtiness, they kept me, they kept my foot in the door. And I'm so grateful for that. Because if my foot wasn't in the door, how could God ever reach me? And so then halfway through year 12, I was dragged to Hillsong Conference against my will. And in the middle of worship, with the worst attitude, blocking God out, God called me home. And somehow he pierced through the darkness and got into my heart. And I want to tell you how God called me home because it's got a lot to do with my message this morning and it's got a lot to do with what you were born for and the life that you were born for. Because God didn't call me home by saying, I love you, Mandy, I miss you. I already knew he loved me and I already knew he missed me and I'd been ignoring that for three years. God didn't berate me and say, what have you been doing? You've been embarrassing your parents. You've been making a mockery of my name. You've been a terrible witness for the last three years. You know better. God didn't even come to me and say, I'll heal you from what that guy did to you. I'm sorry for what that guy did to you. God spoke the only language that would have pulled me out of that darkness. And he spoke to the very, very core of my identity, my calling and what I've been put on this earth for. It was the only thing I was going to respond to and God knew it. And it's got to do with what you have been put here on this earth for. In the middle of worship at Hillsong Conference, God said to me, Mandy, for the sake of the generations to come, for the sake of the generations to come. See, I'd known from a child that I was called to make a difference with my life, that my life was going to help other people know Jesus. And so God was reminding me of what I've been put here on this earth to do. He said, for the sake of the generations to come, go to Bible college. And I did. And for me, it wasn't God's going to sort me out for three years, I'm going to sit on the shelf and get my act together. I literally was totally rebelling, living in one direction, and then shifted to Bible college. So I came fresh off the boat, really, really dysfunctional, really broken, and I haven't even started unpacking three years of harming myself in my efforts to protect myself. Because we are really bad stewards of our own lives. We are really bad self-protectors. And as soon as you get to a place where you love God, but you don't trust him, and you take the keys to your own life, All of your efforts to protect yourself only harm yourself. But God called me from my mess and he called me home and he called me to the front line. And I want to say to us this morning, you can fill in the rest of that sermon title because you were born for the front line. 
You were born for the front line. It is your home. It is your home. If you've ever wondered what you've been put here on this earth to do and God's purpose for your life, well, you have a front line. And your front line will look different to mine. For me, it's being a pastor and it's helping other people discover their front lines and get on it and stay on it. For you, it could be part of your career. It could be to be a teacher. It could be to be a doctor. It could be to be a business person and raise finances for the kingdom. It could be to be an amazing father and mother. But you have a front line. We all do. And it's home. And you might think, well, what's that got to do with all my dreams for my life and the amazing life that I believe God's called me to? What's that got to do with the front line? Because they almost sound like they're polar opposites. They almost sound like they're totally different. Like saying yes to being part of a spiritual war and this amazing life God's called us to, how do they work together? We're going to look at God's word and I'm going to show you this morning that they actually are inextricably linked together. That you can't actually have all the things I talked about at the start of my message without taking your place on the front line. And I want to look at God's word and see what God's word has to say to us this morning about the front line that he's called us to. So if you could turn to your Bibles, we're going to look first at John chapter 12, verse 24 to 26. I've called it this morning the front line. Jesus called it losing your life. Losing your life. You might have heard these scriptures before. Maybe it's the first time you've ever heard them. This is so upside down to the way the world teaches us to look after ourselves, to get ahead, to be independent and self-made and climb that ladder and look after number one. And then along comes Jesus and he just turns it all upside down. It says here, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. When I said yes to Jesus and came home and took my place on the front line, I died to myself. And in doing that and in laying my life down, God's been able to produce through my life a harvest, a plentiful harvest of others. And that's why God said for the sake of the generations to come. Because if we won't die... Others can't live. But if we will be prepared to lose our life, then we will find it and so will many others. He goes on to say this, those who love their life in this world will lose it. But those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must also follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honour anyone who serves me. Paul refers to it as work and ministry. So Jesus calls it losing your life, laying your life down. I call it coming home to the front line. But Paul in Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 16 talks about the works of service and ministry that we've all been called to. I'm reading for the NIV version, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip people for works of service. So I just want to stop there. So that's part of my front line, 
is to make sure I'm equipping and Pastor John and Anne and every pastor and prophet and apostle, our front line is to equip the body of Christ for your front line. And then it doesn't stop there because God's amazing plan is for the salvation of mankind. His plan is to use your life to save others and in the process for your life to be saved. Every good thing that he has for you, every promise he has for you is inextricably linked to you taking your place on the front line. And as you lay down your life and as you give your life for others, God builds your life and gives you everything that he has promised and everything that your heart so desires. So it says here, and I want you to put your name in this. It talks about the body of Christ, but I want you to make it really personal for you this morning. To equip his people for good works of service so that you, the body, but you, may be built up until you reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God until you become mature. Can you see God's purposes in getting you on the front line, getting you to do the works he's called you to, and then in the process, you become everything you've always wanted to be. It says, then we'll no longer, oh, it says, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunningness and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And I want you to listen to how it ends. From him, the whole body, that's us, the church, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. But there's a clause. As each part does its work. So as you take your place on the front line, as you surrender your life to God, he's able to do all the work in your life that you've been asking him to do, that you so desperately want him to do, the things that you're praying for and believing for. It can't all come to pass apart from the front line. This is the beautiful way God's designed it so that all of us lay down our lives for all of us. And as we lose our life, we find our life. And as we give our life, he builds our life. And as we stand at the front line and lay our lives down, it's the very making of us, the very making of everything we've ever wanted. I want to read one more scripture and then we go through some Seven points of what happens to us when we take our place on the front line. Sound good? Uh, so the last scripture I want to read is actually Philippians 2, 16 to 18. Sorry, I'm skipping a couple of scriptures. But Philippians 2, 16 to 18, I'm reading from the NLT version. Because Jesus referred to it as laying down your life, losing your life. Paul spoke about works of service, but there's another beautiful way Paul talks about this. And it is in the act of pouring out your life. Pouring out your life. And if any of you are currently living life on the front line, you'd know what I'm talking about. You know the feeling of being poured out almost till empty. And then God filling you again and pouring out yourself almost till empty. And there's this beautiful kind of tension and almost heartache on the front line of giving till it hurts and then God making everything okay again. <laughs> and giving till it hurts, but you're in relationship with God, so he restores and he builds up. And I love this imagery of pouring your life out. As Paul says, Hold firmly to the word of life, then on the day of Christ's return, I'll be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice 
even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share in that joy. There is a joy that only those who pour their life out will ever get to experience. It is the joy of the front line. It is the joy of living your life for the very purpose you were put here on this earth to do. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share in that joy. Okay, if you're taking notes, we're going to go quickly through my points, but we're going to go through seven things that will happen in your life if you answer that call of God and come home. Come on home. I believe God's calling some of us to come on home, to come back to trusting him, even if we've been hurt on the front line before, to come back to saying yes to the God nudge and the God whisper when he's calling you to say yes to the front line. Okay, what happens to you on the front line? Number one, you find yourself in the miracle zone. Woo! There's nothing like having a big need to see a big miracle. And the amazing thing about getting on the front line is that once you get out of your comfort zone, once you leave the natural and step into the supernatural, once you get beyond what you can do in your strength, that's where all the miracles lie. That's where all the miracles lie. And Pastor John, we're doing a whole series on miracles. And if you're not seeing any miracles in your life or through your life, I would suggest perhaps you're not on the front line. Because as soon as you get on the front line, that's where God is. That's where the miracles are. That's where everything is happening. Because that's at the forefront of what God is doing. But you won't see the miracles and you can't get off the, on the front line without leaving your comfort zone. Not much happens in your comfort zone. And the funny thing about our comfort zone, it's the wrong word, because we're not actually protected in our comfort zone. In your comfort zone, you stay dysfunctional, you stay ruled by fear, you stay riddled with insecurities, you stay broken, you stay in unforgiveness. It's not actually very comfortable in our comfort zone. The only thing we're protecting ourselves from embarrassment or something. I don't know what we're protecting ourselves from in our comfort zone. Our comfort zone does so much harm to us and yet we wear it like a cuddly blanket, like it's your best friend. Well, it's time to leave Teddy in the corner and step out of your comfort zone. And do you know what happens when you first step out of your comfort zone? It's terrifying. What's going to happen? It's sink or swim. But I've got good news for you. It does get easier. Because the fear and the insecurities and the approval addiction and the shame and everything that's keeping you in your comfort zone, when you first step out of it, you've still got all that. But the good news is the second you step out of your comfort zone, God can start to set you free from all that. You won't get free from any of your junk staying in your comfort zone. And when God calls you to the front line, it's always going to be out of your comfort zone. So get used to it. It's a whole life lived out of your comfort zone. But it gets easier because the longer you're out of your comfort zone, the freer you become. I can honestly say it gets easier until being out of your comfort zone is your comfort zone. Number two, you become alive on the front line. You come to life on the front line. The God colors in you, the adventure God's called you to, the adrenaline and the rush of being used by God in a life-changing way, the purpose and fulfillment, it all comes alive on the front line. When Pastor John first learnt, launched, launched this series on miracles, we were talking as a connect group 
about times in our life when we've been most spiritually alive and we've seen the most miracles. And it was cool sharing all the God stories. And a lot of people were sharing about times when they went on a missions trip. And it was like physically taking yourself to the front line. And they were talking about the miracles that happened and just the adventure of faith and how spiritually alive they felt on a missions trip. And then there was also almost like a wistfulness of wishing that they were still that spiritually alive. And someone was suggesting, let's go on another missions trip. And we should. Missions trips are amazing and they do change our lives. But something stirred in me sitting in that connect group, and that's the whole reason I'm preaching this sermon today. Because I just thought to myself, we've got to learn to get spiritually alive right here and now in the ordinariness of suburbia, surrounded by our missions field. We can't go overseas to find our front line. God's got a front line right here and now for us in Chatswood, in Epping, in Ride, in Forestville. Because there's a world around us that are going to hell and they're not just going to hell overseas, they're going to hell in Australia. And there's a front line and our whole Christian walk is meant to be a long missions trip. On the front line, seeing the miracles, being part of the miracle, serving others, giving your life for others. And if you're not spiritually alive and if you're not feeling like you're spiritually sharp, God's got a missions field and a front line in your backyard right now in your workplace, in your school, in your university. We're actually meant to live on mission, on the front line. We're never meant to leave it. It's not an event. It's a lifestyle. And I want to encourage us to come spiritually alive when you get on the front line. Number three, you will have no choice once you get on the front line. Who loves having no options in life? Who loves burning that bridge and just letting it wash away down the river? <laughs> there is something powerful that happens in us when we have no, no plan B, no backup plan. It's sink or swim. Either God's going to come through or we're sunk. <laughs> Do you know that's where God's called us to live our whole lives? Out of our depth. You're not meant to be in your depth because then you could do it. God hasn't called us to live a life that we can live. He's got us, he called us to live a life that is only possible by his grace and through the miraculous. You're meant to be out of your depth. And when you're out of your depth, you have no choice. It's not like, oh, I forgot to pray this week. It's like, I've got to pray this week. You know, when you're on the forefront, when you're on the front line, you know, there's no mistaking it. So if you said to me, well, how do you know if I'm on the front line? Oh, you know. You know. And if you're on it, you know. There's a desperation There's a lack of options because the higher you go in God and the more you do for God, the less choices you have. But it's the best place and the safest place to be because you'd be amazed what can come out of your life when you don't have a plan B, when you've got no choice. Number four, you are safest on the front line. What? No. Surely I'm safest a few metres back and I'll let some other people go to the front line. You're safest on the front line because you are safest right in the palm of God's hand, outworking his plans and purposes from your life. That is the safest place for you to be. It is the safest place for you to be. Don't do what I did and walk away from God for three years because I somehow convinced myself I was safer taking a few steps back. I I got a hit while I was living on the front line. 
so I thought I was safer if I took a few steps back, only to find out that you can get hits anywhere. On the front line, lukewarm for God, away from God. God doesn't promise that we won't get hurt in life. In fact, Jesus talks about the fact that we will face trials. The only safe place to face a trial is on the front line with Jesus. Because that's when you're in intimate relationship with him and he can heal your wounds and he can bind and bandage and restore. The only safe place to take a hit is on the front line with Jesus. There's a line in the new Hillsong United album and it's talking about, the song's talking about love. And it says, there's no fear in love, but there is a cross. I'm not going to pretend that there's not a cost to pay to be on the front line. Jesus paid a price to save us on the front line. But whilst there might be a cost, there's no fear. Because when you're on the front line in relationship with Jesus, you are safest. You are secure. And even when you're hurting, you are safe. And even when you take a hit, he is there and you are safe. In fact, it's the only safe place to be is on the front line. Number five, you'll get free on the front line. We've talked a little bit about that. Because when you're trying to run your race for God on the front line, suddenly, you know, it talks in Hebrews about that sin that entangles. Suddenly, you can't afford to keep that. Michael talked about it. There were sins in his life that he was comfortable living with until he got on the front line. And you'll be amazed what we'll all put up with until we can't. And getting on the front line, suddenly I can't afford to live like that anymore. I can't run like that anymore. I've got to let go of that. And it's amazing the freedom you'll experience that you'll only experience when you take your place on the front line. God wants to set you free to run for him, to live for him. You will flourish on the front line. And number seven, and I want to finish with this point, your family will flourish on the front line. It is a lie of the enemy that says in order to protect your family, you need to shrink back from the call of God on your life. And I just want to smash that lie this morning because I am a product, my life is a product of parents and grandparents who lived life on the front line for Jesus. And I want to tell you now that the best thing, the best thing you can do for your marriage, the best thing you can do for your kids, the best thing you can do for your family is to move them to the front line and do life on the front line. There is where you will flourish. Don't you think God loves your family more than you do? And don't you think wrapped up and packaged in the call of God on your life is the best life for your family? Do you really think he'd call you at the expense of your family? He is all about family. He is all about family. He designed family. So he has a way for the best for your family to be inextricably linked to living life on the front line. My granddad is 89 and my grandma, his wife, passed away two years ago and granddad only has a few weeks to live. He went to the doctors last week and they basically told him, stop fighting, go home and get into bed and don't get out. His lungs aren't really working anymore. His heart is nearly conked out. And so we call Granite and talk to him, but he can't really talk back because he can't get breath and he can't walk anymore and he's having trouble eating because his blood's just not getting pumped around his body because his heart's just, just running out. But I'm so proud of my granddad because he lived for 89 years a life on the front line. My granddad's a uniting church minister. 
And him and grandma planted, I think, about 15 or 16 churches in their lifetime. He's pastored all around Australia. And as a Uniting Church minister, they actually went without a lot on the front line. Dad would tell very funny stories of having plastic school shoes, because they couldn't afford leather ones, of going to school with your lunch in a brown paper bag, not a real lunchbox like the other kids, and having hand-me-downs and knitted jumpers that were handmade, because back in the day, Uniting Church minister lived on the sniff of an oily rag. And then every five years, they'd have to shift, because in Uniting Church, you can only be a pastor in the same church for five years. So Dad had to change schools multiple times, leave behind friends... It was not an easy life for their five children. They had five children. I don't know what they were thinking. But do you know the fruit of a life lived on the front line but in genuine relationship with Jesus? On the outside, it looked like the kids were missing out. But do you know that all five of their kids have grown up passionately in love with Jesus, on fire for God. Four of those five kids are full-time pastors. One of them, my auntie, was a missionary in Thailand for 12 years. She's a Uniting Church minister. My other auntie is a Church of Christ minister. My grandma in her latter years got ordained as an ACC minister, like across all denominations in our church. I've got an uncle who pastors the Church of Christ in Melbourne in Berwick, a huge church down there. And then my dad, an ACC Pentecostal minister. And out of those five kids, there was 17 grandkids. And out of those 17 grandkids, 16 are head over heels in love with Jesus. One, we're praying home. And out of those 16, eight are in full-time ministry. And all the others are serving God in their vocation and in their churches. And I want to tell you right now, the best thing you can do for your family is to live life on the front line. It is the safest place for your kids to grow up. And in fact, when we were praying and seeking God when we lived up in Newcastle as to whether we joined my parents at their church plant. For those that don't know, we spent five years helping mum and dad at a church plant before we came here. And prior to that, we were up in Newcastle in a big church on a comfortable wage, heaps of friends, and I just had Jesse and all of our friends were in the same season of life, so babies popping out everywhere, and life was comfortable. We were living on the front line, but there was just, it was comfortable. And we were praying about whether we'd leave all that to go to no financial security, no friends, no people in the same season of life and really get on the front line and help mum and dad in the church plan. And I remember as we were praying, I was in worship one day and God gave me a picture and I was crying. I do a lot of crying. I'm a crier. So I was crying and crying because God gave me this vision and the vision was of a battle scene. And it was like it was the front lines of a war and it was dark, and there were razor wires, and it was muddy. And it was like the camera then panned over the edge into the trench. And Aaron was in the trench, and I was in the trench. And at the time, I was pregnant with Zeke, and we had Jesse, when you were having, having a boy. And so Aaron and I were in the trenches, and this whole war's going on. And then I looked down in the mud, and Jesse and Zeke are in the trenches with us. But they're playing. They're playing in the mud. And they looked up at me, and they were so happy. And I felt God say to me through that picture, Mandy, I'm calling you to move your family to the front line and the kids are going to have the time of their lives. The kids are going to have the time of their lives playing in the trenches, growing up in the trenches. And I think that's a snapshot of the life God's called all of us to. And if I could just get the band to come up. Imagine if we all took our place on the front line. Imagine what a kind of church we could build.
Imagine how many unsafe people we could reach. Imagine what a generation could grow up out of this church if we all took our place on the front line. Could you imagine what kind of marriage you could have when you're on the front line and you have to pray together as a couple? Because <laughs> you sink or swim? <laughs> could you imagine what your kids could grow up to be and do in God if they've grown up knowing life on the front line? Could you imagine the life that God has put you on this earth to live? It's not a fantasy. It's not a pipe dream. It's why you're here. It's why we're here. And no, it's not always easy. And sometimes on the front lines, you're like, why am I here? (laughs) But you get in God's presence and you're like, that's why I'm here. (laughs) It's so worth it. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.